welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talked to Ward Sandler and Ryan Benick, the co-founders of MemberSpace, a SaaS product that lets you easily add membership functionality to your existing website. In 2010, Ryan and Ward were working in enterprise sales for a tax and accounting startup. They didn't enjoy their jobs and often talked about starting their own software company, but they could never find a great business idea and neither of them knew how to code. So one day they bought a book about HTML and decided to teach themselves how to code. A year later, they got their first paid gig building a website for Ward's uncle, who was an attorney. Over the next few years, they slowly grew their consulting business and eventually focused on building Squarespace websites for clients. One day while looking through a Squarespace forum, they noticed that a lot of people were asking how they could password protect pages on their website. So Ryan and Ward built a simple tool. It didn't do much, but it solved that one problem. And people loved it. So they kept listening to their users and kept making the tool better. About five months after releasing their tool, they had their first paying customer. It had taken six years, but they finally had a software business and their first customer. In this interview, we talk about how they launched their SaaS product, how they use customer support as a way to differentiate themselves, and how they've bootstrapped a multiple six-figure and profitable business. It's a great story that I think you're going to enjoy, especially if you're in the early stages of building and growing your SaaS business. Ryan Ward, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, Omer. So I always like to start by asking my guests uh, if they have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates them or gets them out of bed to work on their business every day. So what do you guys have? Is there something that you can share with us? Sure. So one of my favorite quotes is, the mountains are calling and I must go. And it's by uh, John Muir. He helped start Yosemite National Park in like the 1890s. So I like the mountains and uh, they appeal to me. So that's uh, it's a good quote. Yeah. And mine, I don't really have a quote. I'm more just kind of focused on kind of the core vision for our business, which is really helping people who aren't super technical to create membership businesses. Like to me, that's, that's something that I get excited about. And whenever people give us good feedback about the software helping them, that always makes me feel good. Love it. So for people who aren't familiar with MemberSpace, can you just tell us a little bit more about what does the product do? Who's it for? And what's the big problem that you're helping to solve? Yeah. So basically it's an add-on to any existing website that lets you add in membership functionality so that people can come to your website, sign up, pay you, log in, manage their account, and view member-only content on your site all without ever leaving your website. Um, who it's for, we really try to target non-technical folks um, and try to help them uh, with, with support as best we can. And yeah, the idea is that it's a lot of folks don't want to use external services like Teachable, for example, where they have to leave, where their customers have to leave and then go to view the member content. A lot of people want to keep the branding, the content, everything on their website when their members are, are getting to it. And that's what we're for. Okay, cool. So what was your background before you guys kind of launched a, a business together? Because, you know, we kind of chatted briefly about this 
earlier and you know i was quite surprised by what you guys were doing and kind of where you are today so just kind of for the audience kind of fill us in like where does the story start like before you guys decide to to launch a business together sure so uh ward and i we actually met in college so we were uh friends in school and we actually both followed similar tracks we uh we're in the same social groups in, in college and then um, had the same degree. So we took a lot of classes together. And then uh, after college, we worked for a tax and accounting startup that sold uh, tax provision software uh, that corporations use to help them file their 10Ks. And a few years into that, we got acquired by a Fortune 500 company. And then we're eventually doing um, enterprise tax and accounting software sales. So both of you were sales guys. Uh, yep. Yep. And and how long were you doing that? I was doing that for about four years. Yeah, same. So, what inspired you guys to to start a business? Because you didn't come up with the idea for member space right away. That happened some years later. But you guys still decided at some point you kind of had had enough of what you were doing and you wanted to go out on your own. So, how did that come about? Oh, Ward, do you want to give your motivation for leaving the corporate world? <laughs> sure. You know, we were doing we were doing fine in the corporate world from a money standpoint. Um, we were making pretty good money, but it was a good lesson for actually both of us to learn that money wasn't really motivating us. And so we kind of kept coming up with different ideas for businesses that we could maybe start on the side. And every time Ryan and I would brainstorm that, we would always kind of come to the same conclusion that, well, it's going to involve something with software probably and neither of us know how to code. So I guess we're going to have to hire somebody. And then that, that just didn't really sit well with us. The idea of like, man, if I want to change the button color to green, I need to like call somebody to go do that. That sounds crazy. Like I want to be able to have control over that. And, and that kind of is what spurred us to start learning about coding and how to do it. So, so you started learning to code while you were still working at the company and doing sales? Yeah, yeah. Ryan first. He we bought a really basic book. It's called Head First HTML and CSS, and basically it just teaches you the the fundamentals of, of HTML and CSS. And we both started there and both really liked it. It really was like, wow, this is kind of magic. You can just type something in, and it changes the color on the screen. And that was kind of our our introduction. Got us both kind of jazzed about programming. And then Ryan went more in the uh, the back end logic side of programming than I went more towards the front end and design, look and feel, UX type stuff. Uh, I think I was uh, about 25 at the time. And um, yeah, just started picking up books on programming like PHP and Python, eventually Ruby and, and just really liked it. And um, yeah, dove in. So I'm curious, did you guys have like some project that you were trying to build or was it just not really sure what we're going to build right now, but we want to start learning these skills because they'll come useful at some point. We didn't have like a specific project at first. At first, we were just learning for learning's sake because we wanted to be empowered to be able to do this kind of thing on our own and not have to rely on somebody. Pretty shortly after that, we were trying to get some actual revenue from consulting because we both were like, all right, this is cool, but... We need to make money if we want to do this, if we're going to quit our jobs and focus on this kind of stuff full time. And our first client was actually my uncle Larry, who was a lawyer in Florida. So we started working on his website. Uh, and that's kind of, we had got to put our, our new uh, skills, if you call them that, to use. 
So how long were you kind of learning these skills before you got the gig with Uncle Larry? Ryan, how long do you think it was? I'm trying to remember. I mean, we started probably learning in uh, the spring of 2010. And I think we got Uncle Larry as our first client about a year later. So yeah, we'd just been learning on the side for about a year. Yeah, I think it was the best $600 I ever made because I just really liked doing the work. And um, yeah, it was cool to like do something on, on our own. So a year before that, neither of you guys had done any coding or, you know, worked in that kind of area. You'd literally come from sort of square one, bought some books, started learning, and then it took you a year to get your first paying gig ever. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> okay. And then, so at some point, Ryan, you decided to, because this was all happening, like when you were still working, you had a full-time job, right? But at some point, Ryan, you decided that you were going to take the leap and go and start working on this full-time. When did that happen? Yeah. So we started to get just a few more small projects and I saw some, saw some potential. I, you know, maybe I was a little naive. I was like, all right, I know how to, I know how to like program Python. Like I can do this. That was about 2011, August of 2011. Yep. Okay. And then was there kind of a plan? Like you guys were like, we're going to run this company together and Ryan's going to go out and sort of be the first and then Ward, you were kind of going to follow like what was sort of the game plan that you guys had talked about? I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of just had enough of the corporate world and I just, you know, I had some money saved up. So I was like, I'm just going to give this a shot. And even if it's not like a full-time gig right away, I'll at least be learning and, you know, basically paying myself to learn. Now people like go to code schools and stuff. Um, this was kind of before that was really a movement in the United States. Yeah, I think Ryan was also just emotionally just a little more drained than I was with the work. Like he was a lot more stressed out at the time. Like I, I was stressed, but I, I could kind of, I don't know, I guess I was dealing with it a little a little better, if you will. And so I was able to kind of hold on a little longer. Plus, I also had a, a couple big deals in the pipeline that I wanted to close right before I quit, <laughs> which I did. And I actually quit like a day after my largest deal closed. And that was about six months after... Ryan had left. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually March twentieth, twenty twelve. Okay, cool. So both of you guys are now working on this business together. You're looking for consulting work, and you did that for several years before you came up with the idea for Member Space, right? Yeah, we were just kind of trying our best to find whatever was out out there like we we would go to networking things we would be posting on online job boards i think we've been looking like craigslist like it was pretty much anything we could find we tried to do because like ryan was saying we saw it as being paid to practice and to learn we were lucky enough that we had those enterprise sales jobs previously that we had a good amount of money saved up so we weren't like stressed about having to pay rent the next month or or the next three months or anything like that so we had a constraint of we wanted to build the business, but we weren't like terrified of, of running out of money either, which was very lucky. But yeah, we were just kind of scrambling to any work we could find. We did. We, we built websites. We built custom e-commerce stores. We built custom software applications, like kind of anything. And then did you guys at one point decide that you were going to focus on Squarespace sites? Or was that just kind of part of what you were doing alongside all of these other development projects? 
Well, at first we were kind of scrambling and then we sort of focused to do, okay, let's just do sort of larger five figure type software application projects. And like, that seemed good, but it was a bit of a roller coaster in terms of revenue. So like we'd, we'd get a good project in, we'd be flush with money in the business and then the project would end and we wouldn't have another one to, to start right away. And then there would just be like no revenue coming in. So that was obviously like emotionally terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so eventually we kind of were like, you know, I was sort of analyzing, you know, our sales and how things were going. And I realized something that I had said no to like 90% of the leads that had come into us in our contact form on our website. And the reason was, was because they were for like small little website builds and projects. And we we're like, oh no, we're not interested in those unless you have five figures. We're not, we don't even want to talk to you. And then I realized, you know what? If I could just build this in something simple like Squarespace, we could charge, you know, make a a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand, whatever, and then maybe get them on some kind of a maintenance plan, like a support plan of some sort, so we can get that recurring revenue. Because it was around that time that Ryan and I were starting to learn more about SaaS and and in that business model and the, the the beauty of recurring revenue and compounding and all of that as it grows. So we were like, how can we do that? So the Squarespace model sort of naturally evolved from there, and we started getting clients as soon as I said, "Hey, you know, let's we'll build you a website, um, ninety nine dollar a month support." it kind of immediately took off. It was just something a lot of people needed. And I think one of the things that separated us was our communication. We were very good at communicating with clients and being prompt and, and detailed and all of that. And I think they just weren't used to that level of service because we were coming from doing large projects for clients who were paying us a lot of money. And so to take that level of service and apply it to like, you know, a $500 website build kind of blew people away. And so we, we got, you know, a good reputation built up. We got some good word of mouth type stuff. And we had happy clients who were paying us monthly for, for maintenance. Got it. And from what I understand, you guys continued with that model until what, around... Like it was around 2015, maybe, that you started to come up with the idea for member space? Ryan, you want to take this one? Sure. Yeah. So around 2015, we started just thinking about the SaaS world. We've, we've gone to you know, the MicroConf conference and just learned this whole new world. And um, you know, we kind of wanted to you know, have a more stable reoccurring revenue business. But what do you do, right? So yeah, we just started looking into the Squarespace community because it was just a community that we knew well and that we were serving. And yeah, like we like to say, like we didn't come up with the idea. Our customers told us what the idea was. So we started scouring, you know, the forms and just like digging into the community. And one of the things that we found that was really a pressing need from the forms and from some of our own uh, Squarespace customers was the ability to have logins on their Squarespace site and uh, protected content. So yeah, in 2015, we just started prototyping just a basic login uh, application. You know, it was really a pure uh, MVP. And uh, we launched that in uh, January of 2016, just to get some feedback. And to give some more context by like basic login application, like literally you would install a little snippet of code on your Squarespace site. And then you could tell us which pages you wanted to protect so that only members could get to them. And then people could get to those pages by signing up for free to be members. Okay, so there was no payment or anything. It was literally like I can lock down some pages on my site and ask people to log in to access it. Yeah, so like you're essentially collecting email addresses in exchange for access to certain pages. And it was like super, super basic. 
Got it. And and then like, how did you get the word out? Did you just post it out there on these forums and tell people about it who'd been kind of asking for this type of feature? Yeah, there was this cool thing in the Squarespace forums. I don't know if they still do it, but you could like view topics by most like viewed or voted or something. And the one about membership logins was like 100,000 views. It was crazy. And you could actually subscribe to topics in the forum. So that meant that if anyone replied to the topic, everyone who was subscribed would get an email notifying them of the reply. So for this membership topic, I basically posted there saying that we have this you know, free beta available for people to try out that did the basic functionality we just described. And we pretty immediately got a lot of people to sign up. We got to like 100 people signed up very quickly. I mean, it was free, so it's not the craziest thing in the world. But I think the fact that that notification email got sent out was kind of like a built-in email list that we sort of cheated the system on there. Yeah. And then we also posted in some Facebook groups, like specifically Facebook Squarespace groups to kind of just let people know that this was an option now. And what type of feedback were you getting? Did people like it? Were people sort of instantly hungry for more? Yeah. I mean, of course, people want more. It was, it was so basic. But the fact was we solved the core problem. Like when I was reading through that that initial thread in, in the Squarespace forums, what most people were looking for was just a way to lock down pages. Even if it was just to get collect an email address, that was actually one of the most common use cases. It wasn't even to charge necessarily. So we were solving the core problem that a lot of people wanted. And, and what we built, the MVP, for some people was good enough. Like they were like, this is great. It'd be awesome if you had feature X, Y, and Z, but what you have right now is actually pretty good. And like that was amazing because we thought this was like super, super basic. It was really just a proof of concept and it was immediately valuable to people. And it took, from what I understand, like about five months after you shipped that prototype to get your first paying customer. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, okay, you've got this tool out there. It's solving a problem. And then how did that turn into something that you felt that you were going to start charging for? And, and how did you have to change the product to get to a point where you felt that people would be willing to pay for it? You want to take this one, Ryan? Sure. So yeah, one of the most requested features that we had by far was the ability to let people sign up and pay for a subscription plan to get access to these pages. So we utilized the whole Stripe ecosystem and just built a basic integration with Stripe through a system called Stripe Connect. And we built it into our product. So MemberSpace uses its own billing system that our customers use. So our, our ethos was, we're going to make sure the product is functioning well as we're getting customers so that we know it's working well for our own customers. So when we released the ability to let our customers charge, we also started charging our own customers that were signing up. Uh, we gave people like a grace period that had signed on with us for free before. But um, in April of 2016, we started our own charging and got our first paying customers. Great. So you've got your first paying customer. And then do you remember like how many more people you got signing up in like the first month that, that you'd sort of put this product out there? I'm trying to remember, Ryan. I, I know we got to $1,000 in MRR relatively quickly. Like maybe it was within two months, I think. Does that sound right? Yeah, in, in April of 2016, we I think we ate, our revenue that month was like 400 some dollars. 
And then by the next month, we were into the $1,000 MRR territory. Yeah. And I remember one funny thing that we had was at the time, the URL was mymemberspace.com because memberspace.com was was taken and we wanted to buy it. And we asked the guy how much they wanted to sell it for. I think it was like two or three. Three thousand dollars, or I think three thousand, and twenty five hundred dollars. Twenty five hundred, yeah. And then Ryan was like, "How about we hmm. buy it once we have that amount of MRR? This way, it's like, okay, if we buy it, it's only one month's worth of revenue. We'll have that revenue the next month." And so I think by the following month, we had it that, that much revenue. We're like, cool, and we just bought it. But at the time, that was a that was a huge purchase for us. To you know, we're used to buying domains for like nine to twelve dollars, and to buy a domain for twenty five hundred dollars was like like a crazy big purchase for us at the time. I'm curious, like why did you think it was important enough to get that domain? I mean, you know, it just looked a lot cleaner, a little, little easier to remember. I mean, people were calling it member space. Sometimes people would call it my member space and that just kind of sounded weird to me. So, you know, it's probably not the most important thing. It probably didn't make a huge difference either way. But I think we just we both thought it just would look a lot more, I guess I don't know if professional is the word, just more legit, I guess would be the word, if it was just pure memberspace.com. And presumably by that point, you guys had enough confidence that what you'd built, there was something there. Like this wasn't, you know, like a project that that was gonna max out at a couple of thousand dollars. You, you were clearly seeing signs that you were solving an important enough problem that people were willing to pay for it and there was signs of a, a good business opportunity there. Yeah. I mean, like we were getting good feedback, tons of feature requests and, and growth, right? Things were going up and to the right. We were gaining hundreds, if not, you know, I think we were making a thousand dollars net new MRR a month pretty quickly. So like things are going pretty good. And at what point did you guys decide, okay, we're going to stop doing the, the consulting work? Like, were you still doing that in parallel or? Once you started making a few thousand dollars, you were like, no, we're just going to jump in and do go all in with this business. No, in the, in the beginning, we were doing it all in parallel. So we had a small team doing the Squarespace stuff. I think we had two other people doing the Squarespace work plus Ward. And the team was basically helping fund me to like build out, help build out the product and Ward a little bit. Once it basically paid for my income, you know, we started pulling in other resources and then slowly shifting. So we never really just were, were like, all right, we're going to count on the revenue. We waited till we had the revenue to uh, you know, really transition the whole team into the member space product. Yeah, and that took a while. That was over a year, I'd say. Okay. But during that time, like you guys weren't doing a lot to kind of focus on growth, right? It sounds like just getting the word out on the forum and just word of mouth, were they kind of like the main drivers of growth around that time? Yeah, that and we had pretty good SEO because our product, it's a little different, right? We're a third party that is like a bolt-on to an existing website. So it just wasn't a normal thing. Like there were WordPress plugins, but that's that's for WordPress. For other types of websites like Squarespace, there is no plugin marketplace. There is no official add-on marketplace. We were kind of in a new sort of a category of kind of. And so because of that, the SEO terms were not super competitive. And I did some initial research when, you know, when we were launching and, and all that to kind of make sure we were targeting the correct terms. And not that I'm an expert or anything, but I, I think I did good enough to uh, get us a good amount of traffic. That's still where the majority of our traffic comes from. It's just pure Google SEO. Wow. Okay. And I know you guys don't talk about specific 
revenue numbers, but we can say that you know you guys are you know a multiple six figure very healthy revenue and you guys are profitable how long did it take you to sort of get to that point because i guess it's it's happened pretty fast right i mean go from april 2016 first paying customer so just over three years, is that about right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's been growing consistently every month. Like the number of months that we did not have a net growth, I can count on one hand, and it was because of specific situations. Like we like created new payment plans and encouraged people to actually downgrade in some cases, or if we had like you know a server issue and we were offering discounts, you know that kind of a thing. It was never just like naturally growth went down. It was always because of some explicit event. So any any month that wasn't like that was always a net growth month. So yeah, things... And that's the beauty of compound SaaS is once it starts growing and just keeps going, just add time and, and it gets pretty amazing pretty quick. Right. And I know you guys have really... You, know, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the customer focus and just taking care of customers is is really important to you guys. And I know every business likes to say... We care about customers until you try to call them and you're on hold for 20 minutes hearing how important you are to them, right? But tell me like a little bit about what that means to you guys, because like if you go to memberspace.com, there's an email address, right? There's a phone number. You call the phone number. Somebody on the team actually answers the phone, where did that sort of customer focus, like, was that something you guys had just, it just kind of was part of what you did? Is it something that you just realized early on was really important? And then how has that sort of translated into the way you run the business? Sure. So I think I think part of that comes from our background in, in enterprise sales, just because we'd spend so much time with with customers. Like, we'd have deals that we'd start, and it would be over a year until they would, like, close. So there's this really long process, multiple meetings. Sometimes we'd like fly out and meet these people and talk to them and just, you know, help move the process along. So we were used to, you know, talking on the phone to people and really trying to understand uh, what their issues were and, or, and, you know, help them, help them through the process. And uh, I think we just saw when we created our product that if we can really make a big impact on one customer and just take the time to actually help them, you know, sort of the... Zappos type model, like do whatever you can to help them. That that's going to go a long way, and people are going to, you know, hopefully talk about us. So our our customer support then, and I think one of the main things still now is one of our best marketing channels. So yeah, we spent a lot of effort ourselves, and then you know have a overly large support team. I think for the for the kind of product that we have, but for us, it's worth it to like just really help our customers and help them, you know, get set up and with any issues they have. And I think that's a big appeal because there are a lot of products out there that, well, number one, they make it hard for you to contact somebody, right? So you go there and and maybe you go to the help page. Like there's nothing on the home page. You have to go to the help page. And then the help page will give you a knowledge base and some articles and you'll have to search for what you're interested in. And if you can't, you know, it's that, if that's not, you know, giving you what you need, then maybe 
right at the bottom of all those links, there might be a, another link saying, you know, more information or get more help. And then that takes you eventually to a contact us page. And for you guys, it's like, hey, it's right there in front, you know, on the homepage. So a lot of companies make it really hard for you to contact them. And you went the other way and you made it super easy. But I think that's part of the appeal of the product and the type of people that you're targeting. So if somebody, you know, a non-technical entrepreneur, what's one of the biggest obstacles that they have to building something like this is, oh my God, I'm going to have to deal with a whole bunch of, you know, technical issues that I'm not comfortable with. And when I deal with these companies, you know, they point me off to these articles that sort of feel like gobbledygook and half of the stuff doesn't make sense to me. And so I think there's a real differentiator and some real value in, in people knowing, oh my God, I can actually pick up the phone and I can talk to one of the members of the team and they're always there when I need them. And from, you know, when I look through the site and some of the, the testimonials from customers, like support keeps coming up over and over again. So I think just there's such a great lesson there in terms of, if you can really not just say customers are important, but really find ways to understand what they struggle with and make them feel more comfortable and help them when they have problems, I think that's that's just huge. It can't be understated. Yeah, I really can't. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, this is like sort of our over-the-top support. And when I started learning about the SaaS world, there was this whole sort of mantra of like, we're going to have this passive income. And you know, maybe not in the, some of the communities that we're involved with, but there's definitely communities out there that uh, they want to have this sort of passive income. Like you build this software thing and then people just sign up and you get paid. And I don't think it's that easy. I think you have to, if you want to grow a reoccurring revenue business, like it's hard. You have to scratch tooth and nail to get every customer. And um, it's, you know, giving our customers the best support we can is the only way I think we know know how to do it. Yeah. Plus, neither of us would, would say we're strong at marketing. So we didn't really know what else to do. <laughs> we So we knew we were good at communicating and being good at customer support. So we did that. And we focused on building features that people wanted. And uh, we had decent SEO. And that was kind of it. That, that was what kind of carried us the whole way. Yeah. And I think that's a really good lesson there in, in terms of understanding what your strengths are and playing to them. Like... Are you guys familiar with masterclass.com? No. So it's basically a service, a subscription service where you can sign up and you have all of these, you know, successful people in their field, mostly creatives who run masterclasses. So you can have Gordon Ramsay giving you a masterclass on cooking or Bob Iger on strategy and leadership and Steve Martin on comedy. And so there's a whole bunch of them. And I was watching one the other day with Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx, right? And one of, she's was the first self-made female billionaire. And like she started this business with like $5,000 of her savings and it's turned into this massive business. And she said something similar where she's like, you know, I sort of sat down initially and I was like, made a list of like all my strengths. And she said, I actually only had one thing in my strengths column, which was, I could sell because she'd been spending years selling fax machines door to door and getting kicked out from all kinds of places and just helped her in terms of, you know, how to get your foot in the door, build resilience, all of that stuff. And so that was like something for her 
that she just really played to her strength, right? So I think there's a lot of wisdom there. I want to talk a little bit about kind of this idea of running a calm company. And I know you guys prescribe to a lot of the sort of kind of the company of one type mindset, which is, you know, based on kind of Paul Jarvis's book. But you sort of came to that realization in terms of how you wanted to run the business, like before you read that book, right? And it was like, oh, then you read the book and it was like, that's this, actually other people thinking like that. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did that come about? Because it wasn't always like that, right? In the early days, it was pretty crazy. And then how, how did you sort of make that transition? Yeah, I mean, I'd say 37 Signals, Basecamp guys, Jason and DHH definitely had a huge impact like philosophically on us in terms of how to run a business and what kind of things to, to value and prioritize. And, you know, I think Ryan and I both would admit to some unhealthy behaviors when we were first starting in terms of hours worked and, and all of that. But we, you know, you pretty quickly realize through cause and effect that you get burned out or you get tired, or you get cranky. It's just, it's not fun anymore. And so you got to do something about it. And, and I think that's when we started to set boundaries for ourselves a little better in terms of when you're done working, you know, closing the laptop, not just working at all hours. And when you're starting your own business, I think a lot of people will probably struggle with that because it, it, it can bleed over into your life and you don't have to stop working at all if you don't want to. Um, and that's, that's the problem, especially when you're struggling and you're, and you're trying to get things going. You always feel like you should be working. So it's, it's a difficult problem to navigate. But I think the 37 Signals guys, Basecamp guys, and then you know, Paul Jarvis, I think, does a really good job of explaining how to kind of keep things calm, focus on being profitable, only hire when you need to hire. Don't just grow for growth's sake. Grow because you know it's going to help you or help your customers in a tangible way, not just to make more money. And that that's really helped us a lot. I think. Is it true you got everyone on the team to read? It doesn't have to be crazy at work. Yeah, we shipped uh, copies to everybody and uh, had them a mandatory uh, homework assignment <laughs> to read it. Yeah, and and you know when we were talking about this earlier, Ward, you had said, "Hey, you know we're really lucky that we're able to do this," but. You know, in the early stages of starting a business, you don't always have that luxury. And, you know, sometimes you do have to work long hours or crazy hours to kind of get things done or to get by. But I think the point here is it's more about you shouldn't sort of accept that as the normal way of running a business. And you should always aspire to something more meaningful, something that's going to help you to be able to to sustain this kind of for the long term and also just lead a more balanced life, right? And, you know, sure, you might not be able to get there today or tomorrow or, or even next year, but I think it should be an important goal that, that all of us think about that building a, a business or a SaaS business is important and it's a lot of hard work, but finding a way, a balanced way to do that. And, and I think th this idea of not always just kind of growing for growth's sake. In many ways, that's not conventional wisdom, right? I mean, everyone's like, well, you should you know, grow 50% year on year. And if you're not doing that, and I was speaking to somebody who got into an accelerator recently, and immediately he was just saying like, you know, hey, we, we've been growing at a pretty healthy rate, kind of month over month, but they're telling us that's not good enough and it should be twice that much. And, you know, and immediately they were already feeling a lot of pressure like they weren't good enough because they were sort of put in this environment where it's like, hey, yeah, you're growing, but not fast enough. So it's, I think it's always refreshing once you, you, you talk to people who 
have a different perspective on that. Yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we should talk about one thing like that, like so far, the business has been focused on uh, a membership solution for people building sites on Squarespace. But you've expanded that out now. And you're basically what trying to support member space on most publishing platforms out there? Like, what's the plan there? Yeah, I mean, basically, the goal with member space is to allow anyone on any website to add membership functionality to that existing site. And at first, we were only doing that for Squarespace. But now we're available on Wix, Weebly, Webflow, custom HTML, like static sites like Jekyll. And we're probably going to be moving to WordPress soon too. And yeah, that's kind of the idea is we want people to not be tied to a specific website CMS. Like if you want to go from Wix to Webflow, you should be able to do that without interrupting your membership business, without having to have people recreate accounts or re-enter billing details. Like that seems kind of crazy to us. So that's the advantage of being a third party and not being natively built into a CMS is that you can move with us and and your customers don't get interrupted. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really uh, useful kind of feature, I guess if you say in terms of you know, for me, having run a membership site, right, with my own SaaS Club Plus community, number one, it's really hard to get started because you're sort of overwhelmed by all of these decisions and you can kind of almost get into analysis paralysis in terms of, am I making the right decisions? Am I choosing the right CMS? Am I choosing the right membership platform or plugin? Because people always tell you, you're going to be stuck with that forever and it's going to be a real pain for you to be you know, able to ever move to a different platform or whatever. And so I think knowing that you know, if you can use a product that kind of makes that easier to switch from one platform to another and sort of gives you that flexibility, I think is like super important. One thing I, I want to talk to you about before we sort of wrap up is like maybe, you know, Ryan, maybe you can take this one is you guys have been bootstrapped and self-funded pretty much from day one. But at some point, you decided to raise some money and and work with our friend Tyler Tringos over at Ernest Capital. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, What was the thinking and the motivation there? And what's sort of the the plan for uh, raising the money? Yeah, sure. So Ward and I kind of grew up in the bootstraps SaaS community, even before we had a SaaS product. So we've gone to MicroConf of a number of years now, well before we had member space as a product. But just learning about that whole world, bootstrapping, knowing that you can, you know, build a product, a SaaS product without, you know, having to take a bunch of money. And we've never been huge fans of like the VC world because it's uh it's either you grow or you fold, right? Like yeah. once you take that money, you need to grow at a certain rate or else you run out of money and then you know the, the decision is to fold or raise more money. And then the process starts again. So we've just not never been like a huge fan of taking on that kind of responsibility. So yeah, we've been bootstrapping member space for pretty much up until about a few months ago, up until about June. And yeah, we joined the the Ernest team. And we just did that mainly for the mentorship. They just came with like a really high quality class of mentors that we can access. So that's the kind of thing that appealed to us the most. Uh, you know, we wanted to spend some more money on on some marketing initiatives, but mainly it was to get like high quality list of people that could be our mentors 
And I think one of the best ways to do that was for them to have some interest in our enterprise. It's not a huge investment as far as capital, but um, I think it was a step in the right direction for us. There's this whole new movement. It's, um, you know, uh, Rob Walling's doing it with Tiny Seed. Uh, and there's a number of uh, small accelerators, if you want to call them accelerators, that, uh, you know, they, they're investing in companies, but they're not requiring that you have to grow because they want you to be profitable. They want to take money out of the business when you take money out of the business. So it sort of aligns a lot of interests where the VC world just does not work for a lot of this sort of small, medium SaaS companies. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So I think, yeah, I think there are quite a few. I mean, obviously, Ernest Capital is the one that probably is, is top of mind now as we've been talking. But yeah, Rob Walling's Tiny Seed. And God, there's a few others I was thinking of. I can't remember right now. Anyway, we'll include a link in the show notes or some links in the show notes if folks are are looking for to raise some money and you're a sort of early stage-ish type company. Maybe we can include some some links there that people might find useful. Okay, so we should wrap up and move on to the lightning round. So this is the first time I've ever done a a three-way interview. So what we're going to do, I think, is like I'll ask the question and then I'll kind of get an answer from both of you. So why don't we do this? Like uh, I'll ask the question and then maybe Ryan, you go first and then Ward, you go right, right after him. Does that sound good? Yep. Sure. All right, here we go. Dun, 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 dun. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Before you react, just stop and think about what you're going to do. Take your time. I mean, that can apply to many other things, but it applies in, in business as well. Yeah, I would say uh, focus on helping your customers actually solve their problems. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Into Thin Air. It's a classic mountaineering book and it uh, tells a lot about mountaineering, which I like a lot but also about uh, human dynamics and how decisions are made. I'd say Deep Work by Cal Newport. It really helps you to bring like priorities and focus front and center, even though the world's getting more and more distracting. Is it true he doesn't have any social media accounts? Supposedly. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't been able to find anything, but I heard him on a talk once and I was like, wow. Yeah. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? I guess the ability to take risk or just the unknown and, uh, you know, accept that some people just cannot take on the, you know, the kind of level of risk that you take on as an entrepreneur. But I think having some measured risk tolerance is really important. Yeah, I'd say uh, grit. So just the ability to, to keep going. That, that's a big part of entrepreneurship is surviving long enough to realize how to be successful and to stop making the same kind of mistakes over and over again. Yeah. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Oh, I'm screwing this one up. Uh, <laughs> productivity tool. All right. I mean, I think it's become Basecamp. It's really helped uh, you know take our whole team and uh, helped us communicate pretty pretty well together, especially as we've gotten bigger. Yeah, I'm a big fan of like Apple Notes on my phone and, and computer. Whenever something comes across my mind that I need to remember to do or whatever, I could just kind of jot it down easily and it syncs so I don't uh, remember it later. And then I keep that in priority order. This way, I know what I need to get done every day and nothing really slips through the cracks. I, I got to tell you a funny story about that while we're on there. It's like I spend more time than I should always trying to find a good notes app playing around. I mean, I've had Evernote for years and then Notion and all of these other things that come along. And then all the time I say to myself, in the meantime, 
I'll keep that information in Apple Notes. And it's like, well, that's the one that's actually working for me. But uh, it's kind of funny with that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's kind of just built in on, on the iPhone. And it just looks like this little tool. You sort of underestimate how much it can do. Yeah. But if you get into the hood, there's actually a lot of functionality in there that makes it pretty useful. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue they've actually expanded it way beyond what I personally feel like it needs to do. I, I just like the utter simplicity of it, that it just gets out of the way. You, you click notes, and then you start typing, and then you're done taking notes. Yeah. Like there, It's just as you couldn't make it simpler. What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Yeah, so I'm not really good at ideas. When I tried to come up with my own ideas, they never, they never worked out. So if I were to try to pursue a new business, I would instead, like we did with member space, find a community or a group of people that I would want to serve. Sort of a lot of the Amy Hoy mentality, but that's what I would do. Yeah, I, I don't even think about other businesses. Uh, you know, I'm all in on member space. That, that's the only one I really think about. <laughs> What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? I like to travel internationally, and Nepal's like one of my favorite places. So I've been there two times now, and I think I'd probably go back a few more times. Just really like the mountains. I've been uh, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu actually for like the last uh, six months or so and just really getting into it. Cool. And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? I have two, I think, that are my favorite things. Sliding down snow on skis really fast and <laughs> going rock climbing. So I'd say uh, helping my family however I can. I travel to exciting places uh, with, with my partner, Rebecca. And uh, I, I'm real focused on like being healthy, like eating healthy, living healthy, lots of vegetables, that kind of thing. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today, both of you. It's been fun kind of uh, looking back and sort of telling the story of how you guys went from enterprise sales into SaaS founders doing a lot of development and design work day in, day out, and as well as all the other stuff that you have to do. And I think it's really been interesting to talk about the way you, you, know, you run the business and your sort of philosophy towards customers and, and sort of how to find balance. I think that's going to be really inspiring for a lot of people, if nothing else, just to think differently. Like, Don't just assume that things have to be a certain way if it doesn't feel right to you. So I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And also just the fact that, you know, you guys didn't have sort of a technical background in, in terms of, you know, coding and stuff like that, but you found a way to, to learn those skills. And I would say in many ways, it's becoming easier and easier because there's so much of a push these days now to help, you know, everyone, whether it's a budding entrepreneur or a, a kid in elementary school to learn coding. So, hey, there's never been a better time. If you've been thinking about it, now's a good time to start learning to code. So if people want to check out MemberSpace, they can go to memberspace.com. And if they want to get in touch with you guys, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at uh, Ward Sandler. Or you can always just talk to our support team. <laughs> They're honestly there to help with anything you need. So it's just support at memberspace.com. And Ryan? So if you want to get in touch with me, you could just uh, send me an email. Ryan at uh, memberspace.com and uh, I'll be sure to get back to you. Yeah, I'll throw mine in there too. It's ward at memberspace.com if you couldn't figure that out. All right, great. Well, thanks guys. It's been a pleasure. I wish you all the best of success with uh, Memberspace and uh, thanks for taking the time to join me. All right, thanks. Sure thing. Cheers.